Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. I'll tell you what, uh, say hi to somebody around you real quick. Get to know somebody. Maybe uh, someone you haven't seen before, get to know their name, and then you can have a seat. Worship team, thank you. Well done. Hey, those of you who are with us online, you're our online family, and we want to say what's up to you guys. Thank you for being with us. Have you guys help me welcome our online family? I know that each week we have people who, who tune in from all over, uh, all over the country to watch with us, and that is not because uh, our church is the best thing around. We just have people that love and care about this house. And it's an honor to have you with us. Hey, um, I know that you guys may or may not know this. Um, I am not perfect. (laughs) My dad laughed the loudest. That's always comforting. Um, I'm not perfect. And and there there were times growing up that I actually got in trouble. Okay? Now, if you can believe this, I got in quite a bit of trouble. But occasionally, um, mom or dad would say something that would let you know the severity of what you had done. Are we popping already? Guys, I want you to know we spent time uh, working on this. So hang on, hang on. I'm just going to believe that that's going to go away. Um, We spent time working on the mic last week so that it wouldn't pop, and then it didn't pop last week or this week, and now, of course, it's doing it. But they would say something occasionally that would let you know the severity of the deed that you had just done. And, and one of them, let's see here, I wrote it down. One of them was, uh, wait till your dad gets home. That was fun. Or wait till we get home. <laughs> they didn't want to do the damage in the middle aisle. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they didn't want everybody at Target knowing what was going on. Uh, I'm kidding. My parents did a great job of disciplining us uh, and correcting us. They did it in a very healthy way. Um, so healthy that all four of their children are still serving the Lord um, and active in some form of ministry. And I think that speaks to their, uh, their giftedness as parents. Uh, another one was uh, when, we, when we would talk back or, or we would try to disagree with, with dad or mom, uh, I have spoken, okay? If you heard I have spoken, that means you better shut your mouth or you're gonna get it. You go any further than this, you have found the fence line, son. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, or then my, my personal... Uh, least favorite was you just bought the farm okay i don't know where it came from it might have been some southern saying but you bought the farm okay we had some crazy things that we said in our house uh you you uh you know whose cow ate the cabbage anybody ever heard that one okay i i don't know where these things come from i don't but they were standard sayings in our house and so one of them was you bought the farm well this morning i'm talking about buying the plot now when they said you bought the farm that meant you were in trouble but when you buy the plot (laughs) when you buy the plot that means you're in for a blessing okay um I want to give you some context because otherwise some of this doesn't uh, make sense. But Jesus had been speaking with people all day when he gave this, this parable. It's just one quick verse. In fact, there's another verse right before it and another one right after it. And they're all parables. Now, sometimes Jesus told stories, 
parables that would take verses and verses, or in his day, uh, minutes to tell. I think of the story of uh, the shepherd that went, left his 99 sheep and went after the one, okay? That took minutes to tell. Then you have the story of uh, the prodigal son that he probably drew out, and, and it was a dramatic story to listen to, and it, and it took moments to hear. But he had been speaking all day, and likely near the end of the day where this one was, he was probably getting a little on the tired side. And so he shortened his parables to one verse. That's, that's what we read this morning. And so when, when Jesus had been speaking to people all day, like, uh, of course he's going to get tired. Um, but then his disciples came to him just a few verses before what we just read and, and said, hey, Jesus, we need to hear some clarity on this one because we didn't understand what you were talking about. Um, so they came privately and said, will you give us clarity? Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, or just a few verses before, said, then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Go back and read Matthew chapter 13 on your own time this week. Just have fun reading different stories that Jesus told because he tells these stories not just for their benefit back then, but for our benefit now. These are applicable to our lives currently. What we are going through can be found in Scripture. Did you know that? Huh? So there have been seven parables in this one chapter. Seven of them. So when we talk about uh, uh, the story of the um, prodigal son, when we talk about the widow's might, when we talk about the uh, parable of the shepherd with the sheep. Like, th- those are some really hard-hitting parables. Well, these are hard-hitting too. They just don't get as much stage time anymore. And so when I was reading this, I really, I, I picked up on this, doggone, I picked up on this one verse that just captivated me. And I had to share it with you, but Jesus, Jesus only taught in parables, in crowds. Did you know this? When he was speaking to people in a large group, he didn't have usually a three-point message. <laughs> but if he did, they were all stories. They were all parables. They were things that he needed to communicate, but he did it in a way that actually fulfilled prophecy. In fact, uh, Matthew 13, 34 says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to crowds. In fact, he never spoke without them. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So he's telling us about uh, different ways of expanding the kingdom. That's what these parables are about in this chapter. So I told you there's seven parables in this one chapter. We're going to focus on this one today. All All the parables in this chapter have to do with the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, we believe in the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that we believe there is a coming kingdom here. Right? That, that Jesus is not just coming in an ethereal way. He's going to show up again on the earth that we know as the earth. Okay? So, we have that future hope. But there is also the already that the kingdom of God is ushered into existence by us now. That when we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we are bringing the, the kingdom of heaven to earth. We get to participate in this regularly. Okay? Everybody on board with that? You got that? 
I, we're going to dive into some crazy stuff here, but, but we've got to set the stage here just a little bit. God's main tool that he uses to establish his kingdom and to evangelize the earth is the local church. That's us. Okay? That's legacy. That's Kyle. That's faith. That's Jim. We are the local church. The main tool that God uses to expand his kingdom on earth is the local church. That means that we have a responsibility to be the church everywhere we go. So when Jesus says, uh, I'm coming back for a pure bride, well, that means I'm coming back for a church that is spotless. I'm coming back for a church that cares about me, that's following my commands, that's not getting into trouble, that's leading the way and paving the way in generosity and in, in philanthropy and in, in giving, in serving people. So how do we know what the kingdom of God is? Well, we, we look, hopefully, to the church, where we see this is the place in which there is an eternal um, storehouse of power. Did you know that? That when God came and established his, his kingdom, he sent us his Holy Spirit and brought power for us to use. Not just to have, not just to like store up in our own living rooms, but to use in day-to-day -day life. That means if you're at Target, you're bringing the power of God to Target. Okay? That means when you're parenting your kids, you're bringing the power and the authority in your house of the kingdom of God to your kids. That means when you're going through a relational issue, you bring the kingdom into that relationship. God is going to use you. Now, I don't want to call you a bunch of tools. But if we believe that the local church is the main tool that he uses and you're the church, well, guess what? We are one big toolbox. <laughs> we are a bunch of tools. And that's a good thing because then we become useful in the kingdom. It's great to be a part of society and, and bring value to the people around us, but it's another thing to be useful in the kingdom of God. I want to be useful in the kingdom of God, okay? Um, what God is going to do in the earth, he is going to do through you. What God is going to do in the earth, he's going to do through you. If you don't believe me? Let's, let's look at the verse. Uh, there was a need for someone to find that hidden treasure. Treasure does no good if it's hidden. But there was a need for the treasure to be found. In fact, this guy was looking for a plot of land. So this guy had a need and the treasure had a need. God used the man to buy the plot to unbury the treasure. He's going to send workers into his field. What God does, he does through us. The disciples needed clarity. So Jesus broke down the parables and gave them clarity. Again, walk through the entire uh, chapter this week. Look, go look at Matthew chapter 13. Read the scripture for yourself. Study it as best you can. But then Jesus needed the disciples to listen. And the disciples listened and asked for more understanding. So when we say, we need to see the hand of God at work, well, guess what? We are the hands of Jesus according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All of you together are Christ's bodies, and each of you has a part in it. We need to pray for a move of God. Well, guess what? We are the feet of Jesus. And if God is not moving in our city, it's because we're sitting on our butts. We are the move of God. 
This is the tool that he has chosen to use to evangelize the world around us. This is why um, it's so important that when we look at the vision of, of our church together, we realize that churches can reach cities when the pastor and the people take their calls seriously. Now, a lot of you have heard this story. Some of you haven't. About uh, almost eight years ago now, God called me while I was sitting in a class at Vanguard to start this church. I was sitting up against the wall and, and praying, and, and the Holy Spirit said, you're going to start a church. And I said, okay, no, <laughs> I don't want to. That's a lot of work. And he said, don't worry, I'll supply what you need. And guess what? He has supplied everything we've needed all the way across. We are coming up on our two-year birthday as a church together. And I'm excited to celebrate the two-year together with you. But where we are going is different than where we are now. There is a vision for this church. Now, for whatever reason, I didn't ask for it. I didn't, I didn't even really want it at the beginning. God called me to this city to start this church. And every major move of God in scripture and beyond has been because he called a man to a place and then people to join that man in the work. That's the church. That's your role. So when I take my call seriously, when it's my responsibility to shepherd this church and to bring the vision, but then you guys get to set the pace of the vision, the speed at which we move. The, I can't do it alone. Okay? That's one of the things I love most about the kingdom of God is he never called someone to isolation. He just didn't. Not even Jesus himself. So please don't think that you're called to be alone. You're not. You're called to be a part of the church and you're called to activate your, your calling inside the church. But everywhere that the pastor and the people took their calls seriously, things changed. Check this out. Jesus uh, in John chapter 4, had to go through Samaria. This is where he talks to the woman at the well. If you don't know this story, go, go read it again. Uh, the woman gets called to Jesus. So he goes to a city, the woman gets called to him, and then she goes and brings the entire city to Jesus. The entire city gets evangelized because of this one, one encounter with Jesus. Then you have Timothy. He was called to Thessalonica in Thessalon 1 Thessalonians 3. The church there was the one that was used by God to model sanctification for the rest of eternity. So when we talk about sanctification, one of the main verses that we go to is this, and it was because Timothy was called, and people were called to Timothy, and there was a move of God that happened there. Then you have Lydia. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. Paul was called to preach, and he thought he was going to be preaching to a bunch of men, and he found women doing laundry instead. And so he started preaching to these women, and they got saved. And Lydia began to open up her home back in the European continent to become a church. So Paul was called to a place where there were people who were called to him. People were called and sent out. The gospel was dispersed. And then Lydia became the person who was called to Europe. She went home, planted a church. People were called to her. And guess what? That would be our great, 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 great grandmother in the faith. This church can trace its lineage back to Lydia. Isn't that wild? So it doesn't matter whether you're a male or female. What I'm saying is every time there's a move of God, God calls a person and then brings people to activate. The vision can be set, but the vision can only move as fast as the congregation is willing to allow it. 
This is why there are churches out there who can buy property and they can sit on the property for 20 years. Nothing ever happens because they stay, they stay small-minded. This is why there are churches that have been around for 10, 15, 20 years and they're still mobile because they just haven't got the faith to come around the vision that, man, God has a building for us. And I just want to let you know, Legacy, I am believing that God has a building for us in the next year. Don't be fooled by this space. We have a big vision for our city. We want to see people come to know Jesus in a real and tangible way. We want to be able to serve people in a real and tangible way. Like last year, we were giving away all those food boxes. That was really cool. This year, we've stepped uh, into a little bit of a different vein and helped uh, families and individuals by giving them furniture and taking care of physical needs. Because you know what? I get that we have a bunch of emotional needs, but sometimes those can be met by a physical need first. If you'll take care of someone's physical need, their heart will follow. I, I don't know how it works, but Jesus says, when you give someone a cup of water, you're doing it to me. When you give someone clothing, you're doing it for me. When you go and visit someone in prison, you're doing it for me. Well, I, I want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I want to see a move of God in our city, and it's got to start with us. It's got to start here, not just on Sunday mornings, but then gone. Like, we, we've got to disperse I take responsibility for the vision, but you've got to take responsibility for the pace. We can only go as fast as we all agree to go. It's a pretty wild thing, right? That sounds like a lot of responsibility. Well, it, it is. It is a lot of responsibility. We have a responsibility to come around this word and, and make sure that our lives and this ministry lives this out. Meaningfully, powerfully, every single week. The parables that Jesus used to describe his kingdom teach us that the kingdom is so valuable that the wise were willing to sacrifice anything in order to get it. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, it's the story of the rich young ruler, that if he wanted to be perfect, he would need to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. Now, luckily, I'm not asking you today to sell everything and give it to the poor. I'm not. But as we further our discussion and our excitement as we gear up towards next Sunday when we take up our expansion offering, our year-end offering around a heart for the house, what I am praying is that there's going to be something that is stirred in you. It may have started last week. It might be today. It might be next Sunday. But my prayer is that God would speak something to each one of our hearts, that he would put an amount on our hearts because we don't have to sell everything, but we have to give back. That's just the way of the kingdom. The crazy part is, in this parable and in the story of the rich young ruler, these guys sold everything. One of them saw it and decided not to do it. Said, no, that's too much for me. I, I, can't, I can't hang. I'm not going to live that generous of a life. The other person found a treasure and thought it was so exciting that he hit it up, up again, or he, he buried it again, went and sold everything he had to buy the plot of land. Okay? You ready to get a little nerdy for a second with me? Really? Because I've, I've got some nerdy stuff. Um, I was looking at the, the word treasure in the Greek. Anybody here speak Greek? Seriously? Okay. It wouldn't be the first time someone's raised their hand, all right? <laughs> um, if you look at the word treasure, you can see it has been used multiple times in scripture. Now, 
fun fact for you, we interpret scripture with scripture. Okay? It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay? This defines itself, it explains itself, it examines itself, and it proves itself. That's just the way the Bible is. So when we look at Scripture, we have to make sure that we are studying not just the verse we're looking at, but we have to take into account everything else that is going on. So the word treasure is used um, in this verse, and it's the same as the word that we looked at last week in Matthew chapter 6. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So this guy found a treasure, and what he didn't know is he found where his heart was. That's crazy. I love being able to look this stuff up and realize that God is calling us to more than burying a treasure. Because if you read this, you could think that God is calling you just to bury a treasure so that you can keep it for yourself. The, the word treasure means wealth, treasure box, or storehouse. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, the word storehouse. That word is used in Malachi chapter 3. Verse 10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. This is the treasure that we're talking about. God actually wants us to test him in this. Isn't that wild? That God would invite someone like me to test him? I'm sorry, but there's no other way that I'm going to do it. I've got way too little power to test the God who made me. I have way too little authority to test the one who made me. But he says, if you'll test me in this, see that I won't open the windows of heaven. And you won't have enough storehouse to keep what I'll put on you. And you know what I think? I think what he means is you won't be capable of handling the blessing, so you'll have to give it away. You won't have the capacity to hold what I want to give you, so you're going to have to help other people with it. My house will have so much in it that it will have to be dispersed in the community. I think that's what he's saying. So then when we look at the verse and we say that he, he found a treasure and hid it, it means he's, he's talking about a monetary piece. No, wait a second. If, if treasure means storehouse, then it could be that this man, in doing his day-to-day -day activities, found a local church, the storehouse, and was so excited that he had to be a part of it. Let me ask you something. What brought you to Legacy? Was it that you couldn't stand where you were going? Okay, well, praise God, we're glad you're here. Was it you just were looking on Google for a church and you found us in, in the list of, of churches? Praise God, we're glad you're here. I can't wait for the day that this house is filled with people who find this place exciting and want to be here, and they are, are passionate about expanding the kingdom through this church. I believe it. I believe it. That's why I'm here. I love being with you guys. I get excited on Saturday nights. I mean, I, I know we work hard together, but I love getting to be 
a part of your week. I love getting to, to set up and tear down with you. I love to get uh, the skinny on what you guys did for Thanksgiving, which by the way, real quick, show of hands, turkey. Anybody have turkey this week? Anybody have ham this week? Anybody have uh, chicken? Oh, one chicken, okay, cool, cool. Um, anybody have steak? Tri-tip or otherwise? Cool, legit. Um, I'm a huge fan of all of those things. <laughs> I just am. <laughs> don't, get me, don't get me going on this, okay? I'm a huge fan of all of those things. They were a huge blessing, but that is nothing compared to what God wants to do in our lives. I can't wait for next Thanksgiving when we can give thanks for what God is going to do because of our faithfulness in this season. So what does it mean for us? It means if, that we are, if we are wise, we give everything we have to build his church and expand his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a storehouse. Those who Jesus calls wise invest in the church, and better yet, they invest through the church. It's so crazy to, to talk to people. I'm kind of a nerd, and I really enjoy, like, cryptocurrency. Uh, I love stocks and, and watching the stock market, and I, I love being able to talk with people about it. But even more than I love those things, even more than I love investing in those things, I love investing in the kingdom. I love giving to something that I know is going to better not just me, but everyone around me. I don't need to better my portfolio. I'm called to better people. Investing in the church is the only investment with an eternal ROI. And that's why I do it. So, uh, you guys hung with me through treasure. Are you ready for another one? Yeah. I also, <laughs> thank you, Grace. Uh, I also looked at the word field. The word field is used to show not just a plot of land useless for anything other than holding a buried treasure. It also meant farm and estate. This means that he didn't just buy the field, he bought the farm. This is a good one, okay? He's not getting in trouble. He bought the farm. He, he bought the entire property. That means he got the house. He got the stables. He got the guest house. He got the barns, and he got the land. So when we talk about a treasure that he found in the field, he didn't just go and buy the two square feet that that, that treasure was hidden in. He bought the entire plot, which held everything that he needed to survive, isn't that crazy? This property had everything on it that he needed to survive even without the treasure. He had everything that he needed because he followed his heart for God. He had a heart for the house that he found. And if you took the treasure out of the field, it would still be a worthy investment. The thing that was so cool is that he got he got really excited because he found the treasure. I don't mean he found the X marks the spot on the map. I mean he found an eternal investment. He found a way to make his money work for the kingdom, to expand his kingdom. The property also had everything needed to sustain a life capable of furthering the treasure. Because believe me, God's not just gonna give you something because you give him something. He's gonna make sure that little by little and week by week and day by day, you're growing so that when he does give you something, you don't just have this overwhelming gift, you have the capability of, of expanding the gift, using the gift, distributing the gift. 
Remember, I will pour out the storehouse of heaven. I will open the window, and you won't be able to hold everything. You'll have to distribute it. So what does this mean for us? When we invest in the storehouse, in the church, God will make sure we have everything we need, plus we get the treasure. What is the treasure? The local church. The storehouse. We get everything we need to sustain life, and we get to do life together. That's pretty cool. We get everything that we need to sustain life, to live a blessed life, and we get to do it together. So if I was going to sum this whole thing up in three points, here's how I would do it. Point number one, he surrendered everything. He sold everything, and then he surrendered everything. In order to sell, you have to surrender your attachment to it. Okay? I remember um, in college, I swore that I was never going to sell a guitar. I just, I promised myself this. I was never going to sell a guitar because I knew that that was a tool that I was using to make money and it was a love and a passion of mine. But eventually, when you get down to, you know, $6 in your account and you've got a school bill to pay, all of a sudden you've got to start making decisions. What's the first to go? And so I remember the first time I sold a guitar. Oh, it hurt. The first thing I had to do, though, to decide to sell it was surrender it. I had to surrender my attachment to the guitar in order to get rid of it. So the first thing that he did was surrender. This is important because the the thing that we have to surrender first is not what we're selling. It's our lives. The first thing that we have to surrender, that we have to give up, is not our bank account. It's our lives. It's our will. It's our desires have to go first. And when you can come to terms with the fact that you are separating yourself from your will, you're separating yourself from your desire, and you choose the things that God has for you on top of that, it is incredible what can happen. So the first thing is he surrendered everything. The next thing, point number two, would be he gave everything. He didn't just surrender it, he then gave it. Again, this is what Christ called us to do with our lives. He says, surrender your life to me, give your life to me, and see that I won't bless it. He bought the field with the money from selling everything. He didn't just sell everything to surrender it. He then spent everything he had to get the kingdom. If the kingdom of God is like a treasure, he sold everything to get the kingdom in in his proximity. He sold everything to make sure the kingdom could come where he was. We are invited to give everything on top of what we have surrendered. It doesn't stop at salvation. The Christ life is a generosity lifestyle. This is is bigger than just a one-time offering. This is us coming into alignment with what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, and he is calling us to live a generous lifestyle. This is more than just your finances, by the way. This is going to mean sacrificing your time. That doesn't bother some of you. This is going to require you to sacrifice sleep. I just stepped on some toes. I know it. This is going to require all of us to come into alignment with what the Holy Spirit has spoken over this house. And I'm believing that one of those things is that we all need to come into alignment by bringing people here to bring them into an environment where they can spend time in the presence of God and let him work on their hearts. That's what this is. This is the house. 
And we're calling this series A Heart for the House. My, my prayer is throughout the next couple of weeks that God puts something, instills something in you that you just have a heart for what he is wanting to do in and through us together. He surrendered everything. He gave everything. There are going to be people, in fact, there already are, by the way, they've, they've been talking to me. There are going to be people who sell things to give in this expansion offering. For those of you who don't know, next week we are taking up our year-end expansion offering, and basically everything that comes in in that offering is not going to pay bills. It is going to further the kingdom through this church. That could be uh, buying a building. That could be marketing materials. That could be gear. That could be outreach. Uh, it, anything that will help bring people into the house of God. That is what this, this offering does. Last year we did this, and it was incredible to see the response that people stepped up with. There were things that God has done this year that can be traced directly back to that offering. In fact, I preached a message called The Story of the Stones, and we built an altar, and we literally surrendered our gift. We gave our gift on an altar so that God could be glorified and use that, and we're going to do it again next Sunday, and I hope you'll join with us. There are people here who are selling things to give in this offering. There are people here who are selling off stock. There are people who are selling off crypto. They're selling off random goods. They are doing whatever they can to make sure they bring an offering. And my hope and my prayer is this, that you would prayerfully consider giving with us next Sunday. That God would put something in your heart. I'm praying specific numbers come to people's hearts. You know what's really funny? I believe that if you will pray, God will speak. And so if you'll ask him for a number, forgive me, I'm believing that God will give you a number. It's the way he works. He speaks when we, when we give him room. And so I'm believing that people are going to be praying this week and God's going to speak something to their heart. And, and my prayer is that you have the courage to answer that with faithfulness. The final thing, he didn't just surrender everything. He didn't just give everything. He did it out of excitement. It says, in his excitement, he went and sold everything to buy the plot of land that held the treasure. This actually points to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The attitude in which we give matters. In fact, the attitude in which we give determines the, root, the return that we get. It's funny, last week we looked at Cain and Abel and their, their different offerings that they brought. And Cain's offering was brought, but it wasn't really a gift. It was the leftovers. Abel was the one who, who really had the faith. I don't want to give an offering and ask God to work with what I give him in spite of me. If God has to work in spite of us, it means he doesn't have authority inside of us. I want him to have authority in my life. I want him to use everything that I have to further his kingdom. I want him to use not just my finances. I want him to use my family. I want him to use my gifts. I want him to use my time. I want him to use my house. Everything that I have, he can use. He knows this because I told him this, but we've also modeled it. And I love that there have been people this semester during our, our, our small group series uh, that have opened their homes to host small groups. 
I think it's really important that we gather together during the week. It doesn't need to just be this. This is a beautiful thing. In fact, this is one of the main priorities of the church. But then we can't just stop here. We've also got to teach people that, hey, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to dive into scripture and say, hey, what does this mean? In fact, if you're not reading scripture, I want to encourage you to do that. But then when you start reading scripture, all of a sudden you're going to have more questions. Hey, wait a second. This says... This says that the disciples couldn't even bury their mother and father. They had to drop everything and follow Jesus. Yes, that's what they did. Because when Jesus calls, he demands everything. But wait a minute. This means I'm not going to be comfortable. Yes, that's what it means. I just want you to know this. Two things that cannot coexist is comfort and calling. Your calling will always take you outside of a comfort zone. Giving always takes you out of a comfort zone. I know I was talking to somebody uh, two weeks ago, and they were telling me how they were trying to uh, give in this offering. They, they told me what they're trying to give. And I'm so proud of them. I, I'm, I'm excited that people are strategizing how to be generous. That's the kind of church that I want to be. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of, but I also want to be that church. I want to strategically think, how can I be generous this week? And then I thought of the conversation that Brittany and I had at the dinner table where she told me the number that she felt like God had put on her heart. And I thought that she was wrong. Because I I think there are so many times that we think when we pray and we hear a number that scares us, well, that must be the devil. No, 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 trust me. The devil will never tempt you to be generous. If you hear from God, you're hearing from God. I want to ask you to have the courage to be obedient. Because if you will, if you'll get excited about this place, it has everything you need here. That's not to say this is, the, this is the best church in the world, this is the biggest church in the world. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is we are attached to the best thing in the world. We are modeling our lives after the best thing in the world. And if we will be obedient to the best thing in the world, everything we need is here. When we start looking at different needs in the church and different needs in our community, uh, it's wild that we can go to different people. If, if we do a big event and we need pizza, I, I know a pizza guy. I know who we can call to get some pizzas. If we have a need for furniture, if we have a need for, for different items and goods, we, we've got a guy for that. What I'm really, really enjoying now is when we can go to people in the room here and we can say, hey, we have a need and we know that you have the capability to help meet this need. Let's do it together by the plot. I guess that's what I'm saying. We have found something together here that is worth sacrificing for, that is worth getting excited over, and it's worth giving towards. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The treasure is a storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. This is worth investing in and investing through. And God wants to use you to do it. He's going to use you. That's his promise. And if we will be obedient, he said, man, test me in this. Now the test is for the tithe. Okay? 
The tithe is the first 10%. That's what we believe. The first 10% of everything that we make goes back to God. We return the tithe to him. We're not talking about tithe. We are talking about going above and beyond the tithe. Now, some of you, some of you are going to start tithing in this season for the first time. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. I know that there are people in this church that need to begin to tithe because it's not so much that we need the money, it's you need the blessing of God on your life. I can't wait for the day where we stand up and we say, hey, we are going to return our tithes this morning and we just start to cheer and clap because we're excited. We're excited to be generous. We're excited to go above and beyond. We're excited to invest in what God is doing. In fact, I hope it starts next Sunday that when we call for the offering, the heart for the house, our hearts will be stirred for his house. I'm also believing that there will be a physical house for this church in the next year. I'm believing that God has something in store for us. And I hope you'll believe with me. There are some people, though, who don't have the excitement yet. And I think the reason you don't have the excitement yet is there is a part of your life that has not yet been surrendered to God. And I, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to surrender that. I want to give you the opportunity to come into alignment with what the Holy Spirit is, is wanting to do in and through your life. And so I would love it if we'd all just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second. Now, we, we do this every week. But I want you to just take a second and search your heart. Better yet, have God search your heart. If there are things that you're thinking of right now that you've done wrong or are holding you back, I want to encourage you to give those things to God, to surrender them. Because remember, the guy didn't just surrender, he also gave. You have to part you have to cut ties with it, and then you have to give it. We're not just talking about finances. I'm talking about bad habits. I'm talking about unhealthy relationships. I'm talking about bad attitudes. Things that God calls sin. Those are the things that I'm hoping God kind of brings to the surface right now. And we want to give those things to him. We want to come into alignment. So if you would, say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me like you. Give me a heart for your house. Pour out your blessing as I give you everything. Amen. Amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time, would you raise your hand? We want to celebrate with you. And hey, if you said it online, would you put the little raised hand emoji? We want to pray and celebrate with you. I'm believing that God is going to do something big in this church. I, I guess I'm crazy. And I'll just be real with you. I'm crazy because I'm, I'm confident that God is going to do something in this church. I'm confident because I'm telling you, a group of people, and we're not seeing it yet. But we will. Because I know that God has something in store for us. What is that? I believe that he has blessing. I believe that he has a vision for this church. 
That vision is to see more people come to know him as their Lord and Savior and then be discipled in his word. It can't just stop at amen where we just stopped. It's got to go. It's got to go beyond that. That's why getting involved in a small group is so important. It's where we kind of go to the next step. We go to the next level in our faith. One of those things, though, that is going to expand not just the church but the blessing on your life is giving. Is being generous. Some of you are going to tithe for the first time. Some of you are going to participate in an offering for the first time, where you hear from God an amount, and I pray that you'll be you'll be responsive to that. I know Brittany and I are praying about the amount that God is going to have us give. And we're excited to give. I'm excited to invest in this place. Just for a second, envision this. A place where people can come and bring their friends and be accepted at the door. Where they can be welcomed and feel welcome regardless of where they are in their faith journey. Wouldn't that be cool? It's here already. It's here already. People, people are accepted here already. There are so many different viewpoints in this group. It's not even funny. And yet we can all sit around a table like we did last Sunday night at our friend's giving and we can hang out and have a great time and regardless on where we stand on politics or religion or uh, different areas of our lives, we can come around the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we're following after him. That's powerful. Now, the, the the other group is our online family. And I'm asking you to pray with us because I'm, I'm not thinking that this is just for the people here in the room. I'm believing that you are a part. We say this regularly, that you're not just a part of our church. You are our church. You're a part of this with us. And so I would love it if you would partner with us in this offering. Just because you're not here doesn't mean you won't see the fruit of this. I mean, the reason you are watching right now is because we were given money to afford the gear that we have to bring you this word where you're hearing this because there are people who are sacrificing their time and their energy to serve to put this together a heart for the house is what I want a heart for the house is what I want for each of you and not so that this place has a ton of money to do nothing with I want you to know we are going to spend the money wisely we, we are as frugal as we possibly can be. We're also as generous as we can possibly be. I'm happy to tell you, we will end this year in the black. That means we, we've made it financially through another year of, of the craziness that we've lived through. We have been responsible. We have asked God for his blessing, and he is doing it. Now we get to do it again. Father, I pray that you would seal this word in our hearts. That this week, as we're called to surrender, as we're called to give, as we are called to do all of these things with excitement, that you would be honored, glorified, and and proven by our faithfulness. Father, would you instill in each of us a heart for your house? Would you give us an excitement for your house? That as as we give towards this, as we sacrifice towards this, We'd see immediate blessings in our lives. 
that, Father, the aches and the pains that we are dealing with physically would go away. That, Father, as we, as we give and become excited about the things of your kingdom, would you take away our stress and our anxiety? That as we come together as a church, would you take away the feelings of depression and loneliness? Would you, would you make people feel anchored here? Whether they are online family or in person. I'm grateful for every single person. Pray that you go before us now. We love you. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to give you just a couple of minutes. Um, sometimes we'll have the, the pastors come up and pray. Um, and actually what I'm going to do is, uh, can we have the pastors be on the sides today? I don't want to draw attention to anybody, but I want to give you just a couple of minutes. We'll take about five more minutes, and I want you to begin to pray right now about what God is going to put on your heart for next week. And then there are going to be people who have other needs, and I want you to come and, and, and pray with us. This is not just about finances. I want to make sure that we're covering every person in prayer because I tell you this all the time, but I love you, and I'm praying for you. And I mean... I'm praying for you, we're praying with you, and this is how we can prove it. So the worship team is going to sing a song, and I would love it if we just take a, a couple of seconds and stay in this posture of worship and pray that the, the Holy Spirit would speak to us. Cool? Can we do that together? All right, let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.